Well, we're in John chapter 11 this morning. This is where we have the famous story of the raising of Lazarus, and Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. It's, it's a longer uh, scripture again today, so hang in there with me, because I, I really need to re- read the whole thing. It's 46 verses, but they're 46 really good verses, and it's a very moving story. Now, you're going to notice in this account by John, John points out, and he emphasizes uh, several times, more, more than once, he talks about how Jesus loves Lazarus and Mary and Martha. They're, they're brothers, brother and, and sisters, and uh, he mentions a couple times how Jesus loves them. And keep that in mind a, as you listen to this story, because I think if you're really honest and you listen carefully, there's going to be a few times in this story you're going to wonder about that love. And we're going to talk about that uh, today. So let's go to the scripture. This is John chapter 11, starting at verse 1. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the Lord sent, uh, so the sisters sent word to Jesus. Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, in a short, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. And after he said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, that word uh, Didymus means twin, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in their loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied, I believe.
that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village, was, was still at the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was, she saw him. She fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you lain him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It, it was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he's been uh, there for four days. Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped in strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take, the grave take off the grave clothes and let him go. And therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him. But some of them told, went to the Pharisees and told them what he had done. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, I mentioned that John tells us more than once in this story. He reminds us that now Jesus loved Lazarus and Mary and Martha and, and even the crowd at times they say, see how he loves them. You know, during the worst time, during the saddest time in their life, Jesus comes at this moment of heartbreak, and boy, he gives them a wonderful gift, doesn't he? Uh, the gift of life. Not some resurrection at the end of time, but he brings the gift of life to this dead brother, Lazarus, right in the here and now. But there's a problem when it comes to receiving the gift of life. Everybody wants the gift of new life, but nobody wants to die. And, that's, and Lazarus had to die if he was to be resurrected. You know, Jesus took the worst thing that could ever happen to that family, the death of Lazarus, and he turns it round right. 
And that's what Jesus does. Jesus takes our problems, our issues, our messes, our deaths, and he turns it around right. And we see the glory of God. We see God's love. We see God's life-giving power. And, and Jesus, he does love Lazarus. And he goes to raise him from the dead. Amazing. Even if it puts his life in danger. Now, Lazarus and his sisters were told in this uh, account, they live about two miles outside of Jerusalem. And as we know from earlier scriptures we've read together in John, uh, Jerusalem is not a safe place for Jesus and his followers. They were ready to stone Jesus last time they were there. Jesus uh, escaped without uh, being harmed. But the disciples, they're concerned. Hey, Jesus, we're not going back. Right now, it's a bad time to go back. And, and they, they don't want Jesus to go back. You know, but Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you. And yet, you're going back? And then Thomas uh, he makes a comment, and you know it's interesting. Uh, people debate about this: is Thomas uh, being sarcastic, or is Thomas really getting it? I mean, it says Thomas, also known as Didymus or the twin, said to the rest of the disciples, "Let us go, that we may die with him." I mean, is he saying, ah, "Let us go, that we may die with him"? Is he being sarcastic, or is, is this really a moment of faith that he is finally? getting it that before we can receive new life there's got to be a death to the old life you know jesus has been teaching them now for quite some time you know jesus said this to his disciples he said whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up the cross and follow me for whoever wants to save their life will lose it but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it so when Thomas says, let's go that we may die with him, uh, maybe he's, he's getting it right. You know, people talk about it either way. But they don't go right away. And this is really strange. And I think this is kind of, of haunting. And this verse, uh, verse 5 through 7, I think it's a little bit, bit disturbing. Yeah, it reminds us that Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. But then verse 6 says, So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. If he loved them so much, why did he wait? Why didn't he go right away? Martha and Mary, I think they were shocked. They were heartbroken that Jesus didn't come right away. I mean, just imagine Martha. And we know Martha from other stories about her in the other Gospels. Martha, um, I think she was the, uh, the first Martha Stewart. <laughs> She's the type A, you know, personality. She's got everything in order. Everything has a place. She's got a plan. She's busy, you know. Um, she's making her own bread. She's milking her own cow. You know, she's doing it all. Uh, she's busy. And then Mary, we know Mary. Mary is just laid back. You know, Mary is uh, peaceful, quiet, spiritual, devoted. I mean, you see this in this story, too. I mean, Martha rushes out. Mary takes her time. But when she comes to Jesus, she bows down at his feet and worships. 
Um, but think about these two. They've sent word. Our brother is sick. You're our close friend. You know, you've been in our house. We know you. And come quickly. And so they send out the message. And then I can just see them pacing and wondering, where is he? You know, how many times had they asked that question over the past four days? You know, their only brother, he's come down with something. We don't know what the problem was, but something that couldn't be solved. No one could do anything to help him. And they thought, well, maybe nobody here can do anything to help him. But we know Jesus, our friend Jesus. We've seen him uh, heal. We've seen him reach out his hand and heal the blind man. And the lame man walked. In fact, he even healed someone where he didn't even go there. He just said the word. And the person was healed. If he can do this for complete strangers, surely he will come and heal Lazarus. But where, where is he? He, he, he said it was our friend. Where is he? He's been in our house. Where is he? They waited. Where is Jesus? Lazarus got worse. Where is Jesus? Lazarus dies. He's buried. Where is Jesus? Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days. Where is Jesus? And then there's a murmur. Uh, somebody, they see him. Mary gets sight of him. And there is Jesus. And Martha goes out to meet him. Lord, if you've been here, my brother would not have died. You know, where were you when he got sick? Why didn't you come right away? You know, the author, Max Lucado, who I know a lot of people like, and he's written a lot of good books, he has a great, a great quote talking about this passage. Lucado says, The grave unearths our view of God. Let me read that again. The grave unearths our view of God. You know, when death comes to visit one of our homes, when a friend or a family member dies, especially, I think, when it's someone on the younger side, don't we wonder, where was God? How could God allow this to happen? You know, in the experience we've had in this last year with the pandemic and so many people lost to COVID and so many folks that went into the hospital and then never came home, there's hundreds of thousands. I think they are wondering still, where is God in all of this? And that's why it's important that, and John keeps reminding us, well, Jesus does love them. <laughs> you know, Jesus is, is going to show up. He does love them. But I don't think Mary and Martha felt loved at this moment when he didn't show up like they wanted him to. And I'll be honest here, I don't know about you, but I have had times in my life when I've prayed something like this. I've prayed, Lord, I know you love me. Lord, I know you're real. But man, it sure doesn't feel like it right now. Why did you allow this awful thing to happen? 
You know, when that job falls through that you really wanted, when that love is lost that you thought was going to be the love of a lifetime, when the check doesn't come in time, when everyone else gets their stimulus check and you're still wondering where yours is, when that crucial letter has been lost, when that car didn't stop in time, we ask, Lord, if you had been there, where were you? And Mary and Martha, they mourn and they cry in their sadness and their disappointment. And so do we. And you know what? In this passage, we find out so does Jesus. Jesus weeps. Once we're told Jesus weeps, two times we're told that Jesus was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. Now I've got a trivia question for you. See if, I'm sure some of you know this. What is the shortest verse in the Bible? Yeah, all right, Dave's got it. It's right here. We just read it. It's John eleven thirty-five. Uh, Jesus wept. Let's see. Can I get that? There it is. And when it's, it's a great trivia question, <laughs> but it's not trivial. These two words are really powerful, and they become even more powerful when you put them right back in the context that they came out of. And what we mean by putting it in the context is like, what's the verse before? What's the verse after? And so listen to this, this short two-word verse, shortest verse in the Bible, in context, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how See how he loved them. You know, a key phrase that we've had all through this series, in fact, it's the title of the series, is Come and See. This is what Jesus responded to the disciples when they wanted to know where he lived, where he found his life, where he dwelt. Jesus said to them, Come and See. And then when the disciples told other people about Jesus and they wanted to know about him, they said, come and see. And, but now, when Mary, Martha, and their neighbors are facing the grave, they speak to Jesus. And they say to Jesus, come and see. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Listen to what N.T. Wright comments on this passage. I think it's very powerful. Come and see, we say to Jesus. As we lead him, all tears to the place of our deepest sorrow and grief. Come and see, he says in reply, as he leads us through the sorrows to the place where he now dwells in light and love and resurrection glory. Jesus comes and he sees and he knows and he understands our pain and our sorrow and our disappointment. 
and the trauma of death because we weren't really made to die. We were made to live forever with God. But now we die because of sin and rebellion. And so Jesus, in his love for us, he weeps for us and with us because Jesus knows the pain and the sorrow and the destruction of death. Jesus meets us in our pain and sorrow, but praise God, he doesn't leave us there. In fact, this is why Jesus came. He came to rescue us from the power of death. So verse 38, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. Now, this phrase, deeply moved, is a lot more intense in the original language. And for some reason, in English translations, they seem to clean it up a little bit. But it, it, it's deeply moved. Uh, he, the, the original has overtones of anger and indignation. And, I, and I, actually, Calvin talks about this verse, and he kind of gets, he really gets the heart of it. He says, Christ does not come to the tomb as an idle spectator, but like a wrestler getting ready for battle. No wonder he's deeply moved. No wonder he groans. Again, other translations will say Jesus groaned when he came to the tomb. For the violent tyranny of death that he came to overcome stands before his eyes. This is why Jesus has come to us. And we just sang about it, didn't we? This is how he, this is how he fights his battles. Jesus was not surprised. Jesus was ready. Why did Jesus take his time? Because he knew that it was all lined up and all ready, and he was going to defeat death. And we needed to understand that there must be a death before there's a resurrection. But now he has come face to face with death, and he is going to fight this battle right at the grave, right at death's door. And he says, take away the stone. Next verse. So they took away the stone. And then Jesus looked up and said, so listen, we're already surrounded by him. He knows it, but he wants us to know it. Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always heard me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they might believe that you sent me. And when he said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped in strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said, take off the grave clothes and let him go. You know, this raising of Lazarus, this, this is a preview of coming attractions. <laughs> this is a preview of Jesus rising on Easter Sunday, which we're going to get to as we go through this gospel. But it's also... Yeah, and actually, didn't we just sing about it? We sang about it, didn't we? He rose. Death and grave were broken. The light of the world has spoken. We are set free. We've been redeemed. He's rose. He, he rose. It's a preview of the resurrection of Jesus. But I'll tell you, it's, it's also the preview of the last day, the great and glorious day of the Lord, when Jesus shall return with a shout, and when Jesus shouts, all of the dead will rise from the grave. Everyone who has ever lived 
will be raised to life to face the living God, to face the resurrection and the life. And, and what, a, what a day that will be. You know, Jesus talked last week, we heard him talk about being the good shepherd and how the sheep know the shepherd's voice and they come when they're called and how every good shepherd, especially the good shepherd, the shepherd, the good one, knows every sheep by name. Well, somebody commenting on this passage made this remark. I don't know if this is true, but it's a great remark. They said, Jesus was actually being very careful to call Lazarus by name. Because if he just made it generic and stood there and shouted, come on out, <laughs> everyone in the graveyard would have come out. Man, and that's what it'll be on that last day when the dead rise again to face the living God. And in the verse 25, Jesus makes another one of his I am statements. He asks Martha a question. And I believe he's asking all of us this question today. Jesus asks the question, he makes this statement and asks the question. He says, the statement is, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Now, Martha already told Jesus that she believed Lazarus would be raised on the last day. She said, yes, I believe my brother will be raised on the last day at the end of the world. Uh, we know that that will happen. But Jesus wanted to know something else. He wanted to know if she believed that he was the resurrection and the life right here and right now. It's one thing to say, I believe in the resurrection of the dead at the end of time. It's one thing to say, I believe Jesus rose from the grave 2,000 years ago. But it's another thing altogether to believe that he is the resurrection and the life today, now, at this very moment, while people are still dying of COVID, when everything in this world looks like it's falling apart, when things are just not going the way you planned or you wanted them to go, when life seems harder than hard, Jesus says, do you believe? Do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? Do you believe I'm the one who can bring you back to life even when you're living in a world where everything around you seems dead and dying? Do you believe, Jesus says, that I can bring you joy even in the midst of your sorrow? See, Jesus did not come and answer those prayers right away because we know there needs to be a death before there can be a resurrection. And I want to tell you something about the resurrected life of Jesus because sometimes we get confused about what that is. And the resurrected life of Jesus, let me tell you what it's not. It's not the better than my neighbor life. So many of us want a life that's just better than my neighbor's. I just want something better, something good. So I want to keep up. I want to be better. It's not the better than my neighbor life. Some of us just want our life improved and enhanced. It's not the improved and enhanced life. Some of us just want a pain-free life. I just want to get a, I want to get a, 
a card like that get out of jail free card. I want to get out of this life without pain card. I want the pain free sedated life. It's not that. For some of us think if we just read enough, study enough, we'll have the I have it all together life. And I'll just let you know the resurrection life is not the you got it all together life. The resurrection life, it's the raised from the dead life. We are dead, as dead as Lazarus before Christ comes to us. We cannot help ourselves or fix ourselves. And realizing how dead we are without Christ is really the doorway that opens up the life of Christ to come into our lives. Jesus never promised us an easy life. But I'll tell you, he promised us a good life, a deeper life, a more real life, an abundant life, a resurrection life where we can find joy and peace and meaning even in the midst of suffering. In, the, in a really good book by Eugene Peterson, it's called Practicing Resurrection. And it's, it's, a, it's a great book about Christian maturity. Peterson says that resurrection is not something we add on to everything we're already accustomed to. Catch that. It's not something we add on to everything that we're accustomed to. It makes alive what has been dead through trespasses and sins. It's understandable that we're still going to carry some of those old cemetery habits and assumptions into this new resurrection country. We have, after all, been living with them for a long time, if you could call that living. And so we require a patient, long-suffering reorientation in the resurrection conditions that prevail in this new country, living into the full stature of Christ, our resurrection pioneer and companion. I love that. I think it's really powerful. And I encourage you today, if you feel like you're looking at a grave, or maybe you feel like you've got one foot in the grave, and you're wondering where is Jesus, and really believe that things would be so much better now if Jesus would only show up and do exactly what you want, I just want to remind you to remember this story. Enter into the story of Mary and Martha and Lazarus and how understand how Jesus' time, when Jesus got there, Jesus got there on time. Jesus got there at the best time. The grave unearths our view of God. Jesus invites you to a new view of God. Jesus invites each one of us to come and see even in the face of death and dying. Come and see, he says. I am the resurrection and I am the life. The one who believes in me will live even though he die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? That's the question. Do you believe this? Let's worship the Lord with our closing song.